0: And yes, we're back in this Friday afternoon. Thank you, Danny. Uh, weather forecast looks pretty promising. 29 today, more the same tomorrow, and 25 on Sunday. With I think 50, 60 percent. All in all, pretty good looking weekend forecast. As hard to believe, here we are, August 14th, middle of August already. Times normal circumstances, we'd be talking about the beginning of the X, the X getting ready to open up, which is the unofficial ending of uh, summer. But obviously, back to school is uh, looming. Is in the forefront of parents and students and teachers. Let's continue with our back to school coverage. Last hour, our first chance to hear from the premier on his government's improvements that were announced yesterday to their back -back. more money for ventilation upgrades and to help schools improve when it comes to physically distancing. But and what exactly is needed for schools to successfully reopen? Let's bring on Dr. Michael Warner. He heads the ICU at Michael Garron Hospital now for more you on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. Warner, good afternoon. Appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You have posted on social media several updates regarding back-to-school, and I know you have been speaking about the need for distancing. And Were you satisfied uh, from a medical standpoint with the government's uh, updates or improvements to their plan that was announced yesterday?
1: Uh, I was not satisfied in any way with the announcement yesterday by Minister Lecce or Chief Medical Officer, Dr. David Williams. I think it falls completely short of what's necessary and uh, uh, is setting up for an unsafe return to school in the fall.
0: Okay, specifically, uh, how so?
1: So uh, when we think about the school environment, we have to make sure that the, the environment within a school is maximally safe. That means kids need to wear masks, ventilation needs to be upgraded, and just so we understand what $50 million means, Jeff, for the HVAC upgrade, so that's $10,000 per school. There's over 4,800 schools in Ontario. Uh, many people spend $10,000 on their own home, let alone you know a, an 80-year-old school. So that's, that's inadequate, plus we have three weeks before school starts. Um, ratios of uh, teachers to students haven't haven't been changed you know there's no guarantee there'll be physical distancing we'll have teachers in grade jk through three classes surrounded by 20 or 30 students who aren't wearing masks it's unclear what happens when a child gets COVID or has symptoms of COVID within the school environment, is there an isolation room in each school? How do they get home? And then once they're home, most importantly, how is the community protected uh, from that child who may or may not have COVID? Because the at-risk communities, at least in the Toronto area, the ones that I'm concerned are going to be hit again by COVID when these children, who are likely going to be going to school because their parents have to work, uh, potentially return home sick to environments where they can't be isolated from the rest of their family or the rest of their community because they live in congregate settings like small apartments or multi generational homes, so we haven't thought through this to the nth degree, and, and that's what's necessary to really protect the community from the schools when the schools reopen.
0: Okay, let's explore that item a little further, if we could, because that is the big unknown for me. Is I haven't heard, you know, the minister asked this question or the premier, and I haven't seen any clarity when it comes to these back to school plans. If a child is in class and tests COVID positive, I mean. Is it clear? Do we know exactly what those protocols Is schools shut down? Is that class shut down and every student sent home? Uh, If we have a, a, a child or teacher who's tested positive for
1: COVID in the school environment, then what happens to the rest of the school environment? So I think cohorting of students is meant to help, but we have to acknowledge that schools are already overcrowded in many jurisdictions, so cohorting may not protect the greater school environment from exposure to that child or teacher. And I think it's an important question. That's why public health really needs to be involved in the school reopening plan to make sure that they understand what's going to happen. What if there are outbreaks at multiple schools at the same time. I mean, the the economy will shut down if schools have to shut down because parents won't be able to go to work because they have to care for their children. So. All of this is related, and school reopening is the foundation of economic reopening, and it's worth the investment, significant amount of money, to make sure school reopening is safe, because if it isn't, the economy won't be able to reopen in a sustainable way, parents won't be able to stay at work, and kids and teachers could be harmed. So uh, I'm not satisfied, and I think that we uh, we don't have enough time left to do things properly before September 8th. All
0: right, Dr. Warner, by the way, I thank you for persevering with us because we are experiencing some technical difficulties here. Broadcasting in the COVID age uh, remotely, uh, unfortunately. So uh, thank you for uh, persevering here with us. Wanted to ask you if there's also enough clerical distancing. Do we know exactly how that's going to be achieved? And what are we asking of our teachers to try to keep particularly, uh, you know, two meters, six feet apart at all times?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, teachers are, are meant to teach. They're not infection prevention control practitioners. Those are the people who tell me what to do in the hospital, and I don't think it's fair to hoist that responsibility onto teachers. I looked at the 22-page document that Minister Lecce put out about back-to-school regulations, and there's one day of professional development develop, uh, dedicated to health and safety training for teachers, and that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, if they're going to be asked to police distancing within their classroom environments, make sure kids are wearing masks and, and understand what to do if a child gets sick, they need more much more support, and I think that new spaces need to be used. I mean, there's municipal buildings, public, uh, provincial buildings, businesses that are completely empty right now because people are working from home. Why are we waiting till today to start thinking about using those spaces when they've been available for months? Uh, I'm I'm very disappointed that I know three weeks from now there's. We're rushing to September 8th, and we're completely unprepared. And what I'm most concerned about is that this will catalyze or facilitate a potential second wave, particularly in those at-risk populations that we work so hard in the hospital to protect, um, um, who can't really protect themselves because they live in environments where they can't isolate. And there's also no support yet to make sure those people can isolate if they get sick.
0: So at the end of the day, do we just need more... More time to make sure that we truly are ready for schools to uh, reopen. I mean, why does it have to be September, September the eighth? I know traditionally we've always day, but really, do we have to follow tradition right now? I mean, we're living in a, a day, in which we've not seen before here in 2020. So why not hit the pause button and just take a few extra weeks or a month and make sure right as we possibly can.
1: I'm quite confident that if we start September 8th, we will have to stop again. So I think it's worthwhile to actually get doctors and other experts who have seen COVID patients, uh, who understand this um, perhaps better than others who've already provided advice uh, in the room with the government to help work through a, a solution that is likely to work. I don't think perfection can be reached. I think we need to do better than we have now, but we can't expect there to be no COVID outbreaks in schools, but we have to expect that we can understand exactly what's going to happen if that occurs. We need to sit, do simulations. That's what we do in the hospital. Like, Let's walk kids through does it actually work? Can they actually distance? Let's pretend a kid gets sick. Where do they go? How do they get home? When they get home, what do they do? I mean, the, all these things need to be thought through, and they haven't yet. So I don't know why September 8th is being uh, you know, kind of held on to as the day school must start. We also have to acknowledge that there are areas of the province where it's much less likely that COVID is going to spread just because uh, density is much less. Maybe school can resume in certain areas, and maybe it can't in other areas until those older schools are better prepared.
0: Yeah, should we be looking south of the border at all, uh, Doctor? What's going on with school reopenings there? Those have been cited as uh, trouble spots. To have made uh, levels, COVID levels uh, rise in certain cities, in certain states. And of course, the US, just a few weeks earlier, usually starts at the beginning of uh, August. Is that at all some sort of barometer or something we should be looking at as to what we could or happen here in Ontario?
1: Yeah. So I think we're fortunate in Canada that the level of community transmission is much lower in, in, than in much of the United States, including those states where schools are op- reopened in the south, and that's just a recipe for disaster down there. Uh, but we can't be complacent and say that just because things are worse in the United States that they're going to be okay in Canada. I mean, we have to be honest. We have no treatments. We have no vaccine. Nothing has changed to make this go away other than the fact that we've been separated from each other, and kids also haven't been in school for months. So to think that this isn't going to come back in some way I think is foolish, but that does give us the opportunity to make sure school is as safe as possible, not just safe enough. Uh, The investments in HVAC, for example, are probably going to be necessary for years. So let's pour the money in now. So two or three years from now, if there's another pandemic or if COVID is still with us, at least those schools are made safe and stay safe. Uh, this can't be a band-aid solution to get schools started September 8th. We need systemic change within schools because COVID is going to be with us for a long time.
0: Just finally, let's go from the States. and I want to ask you about Denmark as well, because there's been a lot of people pointing to Denmark as an example of doing it right or getting it as right They had a very staggered start to the school year, and they started with elementary kids, the youngest kids first, slater later brought in older students. That gave staff a chance to adapt themselves and to make sure that the younger kids was all about and that staff were not overwhelmed. Now, they're doing a staggered start here, but it's within a week in Ontario. Would you be in the Denmark model?
1: So, I'm not an educational expert, but I'd say that a week is not long enough even to determine whether there's an infection control signal uh, that's been released. What I mean by that is it can take a while to determine whether COVID has actually spread, uh, even with a staggered start. A week is not enough. You need two weeks or three weeks. I do think it's important to allow teachers, students, parents to walk through exactly uh, what what school reopening is going to look like? Um, work out the kinks to have everybody show up on September 8th. I mean, in a regular year, it's chaos, and if we do it this year, it's going to be absolute chaos. And I really don't see what the rush is. I do think it makes sense to get the youngest kids in school first because those are the ones who are least likely to be able to stay home alone safely, uh, so their parents can get to work. Uh, but uh, rushing into this, um, I think, is a mistake, and I really hope the, the government looks to some experts who are you know, tired of speaking to the media, would love to speak to them about how they can help and how the infection control practitioners who work in hospitals can help uh, come up with a better solution.